about these folks. Brother Stewart, we want you to come. Let's stand in honor of the man of God tonight. What a tremendous job he did this morning of preaching. My heart was encouraged. My spirit uplifted. My soul fed from the word of God. And I believe we're going to have it happen all over again tonight. Come and take your liberty, my friend. God bless you tonight. Preach to me. God bless you. You can be seated. Humbled by those kind words. And, uh, for years, I have been, uh, I, I guess, distantly acquainted. I was trying to think the first time that I come to Olathe. It was for a wedding. Shoshana's wedding, so that would have been a minute. Probably 25 or so years ago was one of the first times I came to Atlanta. And instantly uh, was gravitated towards Pastor and Sister Riggin. I like their spirit. And, you know, as a traveling preacher, meeting people on a daily basis, oftentimes you don't get the benefit of knowing their history and knowing who they are or what they are. And just have to depend on what kind of spirit do you feel from. And so I appreciate the spirit, Brother and Sister Riggin, and I know he gets a lot of the uh, accolades for what's happened in Africa, but I can tell you uh, there's been a faithful wife that has followed him on just every trip and labored tirelessly and been right there with him and I, I give the highest compliments to the first lady of the truth church so. and, uh, save too many of those appreciations because I hope to have them over there again and give some more while they're there and, uh, love this church love what I feel appreciate your response this morning to uh, the preaching of the word. And, uh, as he mentioned, my family and I are missionaries to the continent of Africa. And we currently live in Johannesburg, South Africa, a little city of about six million people. And uh, it desperately needs the truth there. country of South Africa is a growing, thriving economy, and the other countries that we're working in are, in most regards, third world at best, and I know there are some that have been here and have tasted of those delicacies of third world countries, experienced border crossings of third world countries, and it's, it's a different world, if you've never experienced it just have to see it for yourself and, uh, and so the work is spreading we're, we're we are currently working across six different countries southern Africa and uh, I know the message has reached into uh, eight or nine more just as results of uh, a pastor being taught and 
working with other pastors that's under him. You, you have to understand the compounding effect of a pastor receiving the truth. And, and I've, I've said this before, but Pastor Goodwell, he's in southern Malawi, very, very humble man, quiet, unassuming man, has 40 churches underneath his ministry, 40 pastors under his one ministry alone. I've never met those 40 men. I've never preached in their churches. I've never seen their face. I don't know their name, but that's the result of reaching the key people that God has placed in our path, is that they'll take that and carry it to another village and carry it to another village. And uh, when we were when we were uh, returning from the COVID lockout, I'll call it a lockdown, it was a lockout. Um, somebody asked me, they said, are you going to go to visit all the churches when you get back? I said, absolutely not. They said, why is that? I said, because if I leave today and I visit one a week, in five years, I'll still not be to the end of the list. And that's just one visitation. And so... It requires, as he mentioned, a bit of a different approach to get the message spread that far and that fast. And so, as he mentioned, we're doing our best to just seek the mind of God and uh, see how best we can we can help grow these men. Because, you know, one of the things that I think messes with an apostolic mind is the idea that we have pastors that are new converts. kind of makes us scratch our head because aren't pastors supposed to have it all figured out and aren't pastors supposed to know the Bible and and they do but like so many other people they thought they had a clear understanding of what it took to be saved somebody had told them a long time ago to accept the Lord as their Savior and they'll be saved well, the problem with that teaching, number one, is it's directly involving the saving of your soul. And accepting the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior is not written in the Bible. And it doesn't matter how firmly a person believes in it. It doesn't matter that they've pastored a church for 40 or 50 years. If our salvation experience cannot be found in the Bible... It takes a big man and a big woman to humble themselves and say, I thought I was saved my entire life. I thought that if the Lord came back today, I would go to heaven. But we thank God for those that were willing and humble to open the scriptures and really understand what Jesus meant when he was talking to Nicodemus and said, Nicodemus, you're not going to heaven unless you're born again of the water and of the Spirit. Amen. When, when he instructed his disciples, you're going to go to Jerusalem, I want you to preach repentance and remission of sins in my name. Wait for the promise of the Father. Peter didn't back up when he preached that message. And I'm telling you today, the same message that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost was that you got to repent of your sins if you want to go to heaven. And you got to be baptized in Jesus' name if you want to go to heaven. And you've got to have that Holy Ghost and power if you want to go to heaven. And I thank God that there are thousands of pastors in Africa who have seen the revelation 
of the new birth who have seen the revelation of the oneness of God and said, hey, my title doesn't matter. My opinion doesn't matter. My feelings don't matter. The only thing that matters is this book and what's written in it. <laughs> Amen. It's so we thank God for everything that he is doing there. It was, I believe Harry Truman said, it is amazing what can be accomplished when no one cares who gets the credit. And uh, you, you, don't have to, you don't have to know me very well to look at Africa and see what's going on and understand Jesse Stewart didn't do that. God did that. Only God could send the message of truth across that many countries in 10 short years and see the work that we're seeing, the pace in which God is working is breathtaking. And we give God all the glory for what's being done in Africa right now. I, I neglect tonight that I should have brought you some photos Bishop Riggin is okay with it. You can go to our website and see those. There's a newsletter that we send out regularly. If he's okay with it, you can sign up for it. And so uh, you'll, you'll see some updated photos and things there. It's exciting. As he mentioned, we've got some new interests. Right now we have approximately 650 pastors that are in a regular class with us learning, growing, and, uh, all of them at different stages of, of growth and development, and uh, that may not seem like a big deal to you. That's a big deal to me, considering probably double that don't have the money to buy the data to attend the class, considering there's 2,400 different languages on the continent of Africa. I struggle with English. It's, it's, it's miraculous what God is doing. And, and I know that many of those men uh, are of various educations. Some of them have a PhD. And some of them are illiterate. And so if you have any brilliant ideas of how to communicate the gospel on a regular basis to an illiterate pastor that doesn't speak your language, I'm open to hear your ideas. And oh, by the way, he's about a three-day drive from me. So that's just some of the complexities that, that are there. And so I, I'm giving you these details because sometimes when you pray, it's like, oh, God, send them revival. It's like, okay, that's wonderful. Uh, but what do I do with it once he does send it? <laughs> I've said this before to some pastors. I said, you know, a lot of churches, they go on prayer and fasting before a revival. I said, I think maybe we should consider doing it after the revival too. <laughs> sometimes that's when all glory breaks out. <laughs> but we do need the wisdom of God. We do need God's hand, his protection, uh, as I mentioned, we're in Johannesburg. Most people say that's the third most dangerous city in the world. And uh, we're living probably three miles, two miles from the most dangerous part of it. And so 
we hear noises at night, and we're not sure uh, what that is or what's going on, but we just pray and trust God and go back to sleep. And, uh, we need God's protection. We need his provision. And, and I, I say this a bit selfishly, but I notice the other missionaries that are on the overhead that you pray for regularly, they need the same thing. When you pray for them, get under a burden. I, I, I say it this way. There is... There's something special, if I can say it that way, about a church that doesn't just support missions. They don't just pray for missions, but they get under a burden. You want to be one of the greatest helps to the mission in Africa, get under the burden for it. Let God use you in prayer. I feel the Holy Ghost. Let God use you in prayer. I know many of you stayed up all night long praying in February about the revival in Lusaka. You'll never know how appreciative some brand new pastors in that city are because you've helped pray that revival through. And so thank you so very much for carrying the burden of the work of Africa with us, with your pastor. It means so very much. Amen, amen. I want to preach to you for a little while tonight. I want God to talk to us and stir us. I want God to, to stir us tonight. Deeply stir us tonight. Amen. Would you, would you be open to that? I know we've had a little bit of shouting. I know we've had a, an exciting time in the Holy Ghost so far, but would you be open to just letting God stir your heart tonight? Stand with me, if you would, reading from John chapter number 21. John chapter number 21, verse number 15 is where we'll begin. Give honor to the ministry here. that are listening online. Thank you for joining. We pray God will minister to you where you are tonight. John chapter number 15, uh, 21, chapter 21, verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee, he said unto him, feed my lambs. I'm going to stop here for a moment. Those of you, I won't teach a, a Greek lesson tonight, but those of you that have looked at this passage understand that Jesus and Peter are using two different words for love. Jesus saying, do you love me? And Peter saying, I'm fond of you. Verse 16, and he say. Say to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, 
lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I'm fond of thee. I love thee. And he said unto him, Feed my sheep. And he said unto him a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him a third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Peter got a bit of an understanding there, although it isn't apparent uh, at first glance that he knew he got that understanding. But he turned to Jesus and said, you know all things. And Jesus did know all things, and that's precisely why he was asking Peter the types of questions that he was asking him. So I want to preach to you for just a little while tonight on this subject, ministering unto the Lord. Ministering unto the Lord. Would you lay your Bible down and pray that God would have his way in this place tonight? Come on, let's lift our voice right now. Lord Jesus, humble ourselves before you right now. God, we give ourselves wholly and completely to you. Surrendering our will, surrendering our lives to you tonight, God. God, give us ears to hear what you would say to the church tonight. And Lord, give us the grace to obey what you would say to us. Help us to walk in the truth tonight, God. Keeping your word, guarding our hearts. In the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. <clears throat> Often we read the painful plainness of the life and shortcomings of the Bible characters and patriarchs. We read this interchange with the Lord and with Peter, and I don't know about you, but I, I can't help but thinking I'm glad that's Peter and not me. There are some discussions the Lord and I have had that I'm thankful that they were not uh, enshrined in this book for millions and probably now billions of people to read what went on in that discussion. And it's easy to become strongly opinionated about that person's actions or their lack of action. And how quickly we can condemn men like Peter for being hot-headed. And then we get an I-35 traffic. We groan at his rejection of the Lord and scream, don't you know you've been selected to preach on the day of Pentecost and here you are behaving that way. But Peter did not have the advantage of understanding what was going to take place in Acts chapter number 2 
when he was behaving the way that he was in John chapter 18. He didn't know that in a few short days he was going to be preaching when he's taking that sword and trying to take off another man's head. He didn't know that he's going to now be the, the one to open all the, the, the doors of salvation to the Jews and the Samaritans and the Gentiles when he's saying, I don't even know the man. He didn't know that. But the Lord knew that Peter was the one that was going to deliver that message. The Lord knew that he had, he had an assignment, a very special assignment for Peter. And before Jesus could release Peter to perform the service of a minister, he needed to address a shortcoming in him that all of us can easily fall into. He said, Peter, I want you to be the one responsible for the work of feeding my sheep. But before Peter, you just run out there with your Bible and grab your fifth wheel and RV trailer. We got some things to talk about. We've got some, some things to work out of you, Peter, before you get involved in the assignment that I have for you. And I need to know something, Peter. Do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? Again, Peter and Jesus using two different words, and Jesus is trying to tell him, Peter, that surface fondness that you have for me is not going to get you through the hard times. I transitioned out of... Uh, being the principal at a church school. And that, my hat goes off to anybody who works in a Christian school. <laughs> and I was passing the mantle, if you will, to another man. And I sat down and I saw the same innocence and zeal in his eyes that I had just a few years before. And I said, sir, tell me. What's brought you to that chair? Tell me the story. And as he began to weep and tell me about God dealing with him and this happening and that happening, I said, sir, write that story down because there are days coming that that story is the only thing that will keep you in that chair. There are days in living for God and working for God where a surface attraction to the Lord are going to get you through. But Jesus said in this life you shall have tribulation. And I'm not saying this to be negative. If I could help a new convert today let me help a new convert. There, there, there's, there's a a brief period here where it seems like uh, the Lord kind of puts you in a bubble. I wasn't raised in church, so I understand a little bit about what I'm talking about. But 
The devil's going to take an opportunity to try to drag you back into the world. And sometimes that, that looks like temptation. And sometimes that looks like pressure from the family. And you're going to need a whole lot more than just the I'm fond of you, Jesus, to get you through those hard times. Amen. You're going to need a whole lot more than just the I think I like him. To get back down to the church to pray you through another day. And so Jesus is telling Peter, I got a job. It's not going to be an easy walk. You read about Peter's life and you understand what he didn't understand in that moment. Peter, are you going to love me when the stones are flying? Peter, you're going to love me when people are threatening your life. Peter, you're going to love me when it costs you everything. You see, love determines the difference between working for God and ministering to God. Can I say that again? Love determines the difference in you working for God and you ministering to God. When you're talking about working for God, we often run to the psalm, Psalm 102, that says, Serve the Lord with gladness. <laughs> Come before his presence and sing. Amen. That word serve there comes from a Hebrew word, avad, and it means work. Just get to work. To serve or minister for someone. There were things in, in my life and in, in, in being raised in the Tulsa Lighthouse Church that I did those things for someone. My pastor would ask me, would you do this? And I would do that for my pastor. You understand? So that's what that word serve the Lord with gladness means. Somebody instructed me to do something and I'm doing it. And I'm thankful that, that I had a pastor that I could serve the Lord through. We'll get here to, to Samuel in just a minute, but a lot of your serving God is going to be through the requests of your man of God. And so that's what it means to work for God. I'm, I'm doing something for someone else. And uh, we understand that's important. If you are, uh, I, I, I can't help it. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in churches and I hear details because of being raised in a church. And I understand this week is Sister Reba's cleaning team. That's a dumb thing for me to hear this morning, isn't it? It was in the announcement. If you didn't know that, now you know. <laughs> Serving the Lord. Working for God. And, and Paul told the church at uh, Colossae, he said, Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. 
I've done a lot of serving the Lord around the home church. I didn't feel much of God on the lawnmower. I didn't feel real spiritual cleaning the toilet. Not very many Holy Ghost outpourings right there. True story. I'll have to, I'll have to be mindful of the time. True story. Home missions church, and you just got to love home mission church. About to have service, got my preacher clothes on, got my Bible, got my message. I'm ready to go. And poor Sister Taylor comes around the corner. Um, Brother Stewart, there's a lot of water shooting out of the wall behind the toilet. So I go to the toilet. I reach around and I manage to get it shut off and my phone has passed away. And why I answered the phone, literally holding on to the toilet, I don't know why. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm learning how to be a preacher. Do it heartily as unto the Lord. Whatever the pastor needs you to do, do it hardly as unto the Lord. Because he said, you're going to reap a reward. Don't you worry if the pastor don't know you're doing it. You don't have to come tell him, hey, it was me that mowed the yard today. Doesn't it look good? Just let the Lord be responsible for that reward. Let God manage God's books and you'll be happy with the outcome, I, I assure you. But that's what it means to work for God. Just going to do what needs to be done around here as unto the Lord, for God. But there's a difference working for God and ministering to God. When you get to 1 Samuel, Elkanah is dropping his son off at Ramah, 1 Samuel 2 and 11, it says, And the child did minister unto the Lord before Eli, the priest. So here we have a probably a 12-year-old boy doing what the man of God needs him to do around the church house. And it was ascribed to Samuel as ministering unto the Lord. A few verses later in chapter 2 verse 18 it says, But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen ephod. A child. Now this is a different Greek word. Or Hebrew word. This ministering unto God is sharath. And that word for minister can sometimes a lot of like like other Hebrew words, depending on the context, depends on the translation. And so sometimes it can be rendered rendered minister and sometimes serve. But it's a different context 
shows us the meat. And that, again, in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, The child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. Three times. Somebody took note of a little child and seemed to recognize a different type of serving, a different type of work. Now suddenly we see Samuel ministering to someone. And that's the difference there. The way that it's rendered for Samuel is he was serving or ministering to someone, not for someone. Somewhere in those early days of development, Samuel makes a subtle change from ministering before the Lord to ministering unto the Lord. I listened just before service throughout the day today. And there was a lot of work going on around the Truth Church today. I pulled up to a very well cared for property. And as I already pointed out, there are faithful cleaning teams. A lot of work going on around here. And many are the saints of God who faithfully work before the Lord. But blessed are those that learn to move beyond the work and step into ministering unto the Lord. This is, this is more than just my turn to lead worship. This is more than just our cleaning team. When we began to understand, I don't just want to do this for God. I want to do what I'm doing as unto God. I want to, I don't have time to get in this today, but I think there's a, there's a distinction between a sacrifice and an offering. Sometimes it's the exact same ritual, exact same animal. Different motive, different purpose. But when we are doing something for God, whatever that action may be, where our heart is determines is it work or is it ministry? Is it for God or to God? We got to love God so much that we just can't seem to do enough for Him. And again, I'm not, this is, this is not an accusation that there's uh, not any work going on around here. I see it. I see it. It's plain to me. I heard it even while I was trying to take a nap. Just kidding. Just kidding. But if we're going to do it, why don't we get the benefit for it? 
If we're going to be involved in it, you know, you can do the right thing the wrong way. And anybody that's a parent knows what I'm talking about. And we can be doing the right thing for God and not see the blessing or feel the fulfillment and get frustrated at what's going on here. There was a time when David was in exile from his kingdom and he was hiding for his life in a cave. And he was besieged by the Philistines who wanted him dead. And to walk out of that place would have been certain death. And the king is in that place Surrounded by men who were devoutly loyal to him. And the king just longingly utters a sigh. Oh, that someone would give me to drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem. Which is by the gate. It's not a directive. It wasn't a command. But there were three mighty men. Within earshot. Close enough to the king. To just pick up on. Did you hear what he said? You think we can do it? I think we can do it. And those mighty men broke through a garrison of Philistines. Not because they were asked to do it. Not because David is ranting and raving about never getting a good drink of water. Just that longing from their king that said, Oh, I'll tell you what I'd like to have right now. Can I help us connect a dot here today? I wonder, church, are we close enough to the king that we can hear these still small whispers of the king that said, oh, you know what I'd like to have right now. I wonder how many church services we felt to go this way and the king said, oh, I really wish we could have went this way tonight. I know that was your favorite song, and I know we got the juke and chive a little bit, but you don't want to know what song I ought to like to hear tonight. All we got to do is be close enough to the king. I don't need him petting on me. I don't need anything. All I need is for my ear to be tuned to his voice. I wonder if we spent enough time in, in that, that close of proximity. You know, there, there, are pre, there are preachers on this platform. They know the pastor well enough. They, they're bilingual. They speak English and body language. 
They know Pastor Riggin well enough. An eyebrow, maybe a. <clears throat> That's all that needs to be said. They know him well enough to know what he desires right now. I've spent enough time traveling with him. I can almost tell you when we're in Africa what he wants to drink and what he wants to eat. He didn't show up in Africa and say, now bless your heart, if I'm coming, this is how it's going to be. I'm watching. I'm paying attention. I'm listening. And I just wonder. I... I wonder. I, I'll get. I'll get to where we're, we're going. Going tonight, but I want to go down here just a minute. I wonder. Are we really, really in tune with the desires of the King? To that point where I could be walking through the store, going through the mall. Maybe I'm on the job site, and just feel that little something. Go wait a minute. I think I just felt that the king would desire something right now. I'm close enough to where I could just hear his throat clear a little bit. <clears throat> I'm close enough to where there are some things I don't need to go ask the pastor, is this okay if I do? Because I'm close to the king. You need a man of God. But I'm telling you, there's a whole lot of praying that can be done that will save him some counseling hours. If we'll get close enough to the king, all the king will have to say is, you know better than that. You know that's not the kind of thing I would approve of. Are we close enough? Are we so in tune with ministering unto the Lord? What does he need? Does he have everything? Does he desire something from me right now? I'm watching. I'm praying. What's on his mind? What's on his heart? What does he like? What does he not like? I fear we have a generation coming to the house of God for the sole purpose of being ministered to. A receiving generation. I didn't go to church today because I didn't feel like it. We didn't get involved in worship because the wife and I had a little bit of a <clears throat> discussion. Do we not understand that the Lord desires to be ministered to when we come into his house? Oh, I'm going to take my liberty here for just a minute. I just wonder, I just wonder how we might would act if some people come into our house acting like we do when we come to his house. Give me this and do that for me and play the song I want. I don't 
don't know Brother Hilton very well, but I think if somebody come into your house acting that way, they're going to have a problem. touch you about that stuff too. There are things that I want to do for people when they come to my house. I have a wonderful, loyal wife who is, is, is the epitome of hospitality. And I've been to places where it was good I've been to places where I didn't think they really wanted me there. This ain't one of those. This place ain't one of those. But when we come into his house, he's got the table set for us. He's got everything we need right here. It, it doesn't take a whole lot of spiritual maturity to say, hold on now. Hold on now. God, can I minister to you a little while before I get involved in, in what you have prepared for me? What do you want? What do you need, Lord? You know, he desires to have a relationship with us. I believe that's the primary and principal reason that he created humanity was for a relationship. Sorry to keep using you, brother and sister Hilton, but you've been married 38 years now. I'm going to put you on the spot right here. If you were to rate 1 to 10, sister Hilton, your marriage right now, what would you rate it? 10 and a half. <laughs> she just don't know. She just don't know what she did to his confidence. But if the Lord desires a relationship with us, would he give it a ten and a half? You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with getting honest around an altar and say, God, why don't you go ahead and rate it? What are some areas, God, that I'm falling a little short in the ministering department? Ah, oh, help us, Jesus. When, when, when we, we reach a level of development and maturity that our prayers are no longer prayers of, of petitions. Give me this and do this and can I have that? Oh, God, why did you let that happen? When, it, when our prayer moves beyond that to its more admiration of the Lord, ministration unto him. I'm telling you, I feel this in the Holy Ghost tonight. I, I, I feel like this could take this church to a whole new level of, 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 of depth in the spirit and, and seeing some things happen that we want to see happen around here. When, when we get a whole lot more concerned about ministering unto God when we come to his house rather than expecting to be ministered unto.
Oh, happy, happy, happy would we be when the Lord would say, hey, it's a 10 this week. Isn't that what happened with Cornelius? He said, thy, thy prayer and thy alms have come up as a memorial unto me. I'm telling you, when somebody gets interested in what God's interested in, he suddenly gets real interested in you. He suddenly wants to spend a whole lot more time with you. When's the last time you got down to a prayer meeting and, and, and you just said, Lord, what's on your mind today? You know all things in my life. You know how things are going right now. You know I still don't have any money. You know the bills are due. You know the family's crazy. But what's on your mind? What are you thinking about today, Lord? It's an humbling experience, elders. God, I trust you enough. I'm going to take all my cares. I'm going to set them right over here. That's yours. Now what's on your mind? How am I doing? How are you doing? The apostle John said to be the apostle that Jesus loved was real close to him. <laughs> Said he could just lean over there on him if he wanted to. I don't think that's accidental that he was the one he loved. Jesus wanted to be close to John. John wanted to be close to Jesus. The apostle Paul, great man of God. Sacrificed dearly for the kingdom. Wrote most of the New Testament. Very intelligent man. Trained at the feet of Gamaliel. Knew a little bit about operating in the spirit. Knew a little bit about walking with God. Wrote some of the deepest mysteries that we have concerning God. And concluded his ministry by just saying... I just want to know him. I've been walking with him. I've been working with him. I preached all over the southern part of Asia. But what I really want is to know him. That's a cry of a man that suddenly learned how to minister to the law. That didn't get bitter because some things didn't work out his way. That didn't argue with God when God sent him into what seemed to be sure defeat. He just said, I want to know him. I want to be closer to him. I'm envious of some of the things that Paul mentions that he's seen. In a prayer meeting. I'm envious in his walk with God. And I want to see some of the things that Paul seen, Brother Hilton. 
But I understand I'm not going to see it unless I learn to minister to God the way Paul ministered to I've seen people work tirelessly for the Lord year after year after year. And then one day just walk out on God. May we never confuse busyness in the kingdom and really ministering unto the Lord. You can be busy and not really be effective. You can be busy for God and really not ever minister to God. Jesus commented that there are people that honor me with their lips, but their hearts. It's been my observation that our worship songs seem to be turning the attention upon us. Rather than toward God. What I get out of living for God. And what he does for me. We seldom hear things like. Let me walk with you Jesus. That's my heart's desire. Is to walk with him and. And to know him and to feel what he feels and to minister to him and whatever he needs or whatever capacity. And as the songs of our worship seem to be turning a casual observance across the congregation. There's no ministering unto the Lord going on right there. Sure, the service is happening. Sure, we're working for God. But God desires a relationship. I just want you to ask yourself. You know, this is, this is trying to help us. To get to another level in our devotion and walk with God. But I want you to ask yourself. I have no doubt the majority of the people in this room are busy for God doing something. But are we serving before the Lord? Or are we serving unto the Lord? Martha began to squabble with her sister Mary. And asked the Lord. Rebuke her because she's not working as much as I'm working. And Jesus, his response to Martha was, you're worried about the task more than you're worried about my presence. But it breaks my heart to see a whole lot of that going on in Pentecost right now. We're worried about the tasks of the service. We're worried about the this course and that line and this mic and that projector. And are we really, are we really just saying, 
turn the whole mess off if we need to. We just need to minister to the Lord for a little while. I just want to lift my hands and let some hot, salty tears begin to roll down my face. I'm thankful for the amenities we have, but there have been times that in Africa, we under just a, sh a, a shade of some sort and nothing but some voices lifted. Began to feel the presence of the Lord from people that have nothing. But they're there ministering to God. The presence of God began to fall in that place. Are we ministering before the Lord? Are we ministering unto the Lord? Judas was outraged that the alabaster box was not sold and given to the poor. And Jesus said, you're always going to have the poor with you. There's some things you're always going to have. But those times when the presence of the Lord move in, do we know how to just stop everything? Do we know how to just wait on the Lord a little while? See, I feel, I feel something's on the mind of the king tonight. I believe he's in this place tonight. One of the most tragic historical observations that I believe I've ever made is that between the book of Malachi and the book of Matthew 400 years of silence <laughs> 400 years God's not saying a word God wasn't even participating in the services that they were having. And yet when Jesus came to the earth, tabernacle, temples, temples still open, synagogues, teaching still going on, preaching still happening, songs still being sung, sacrifices still being made, and God hadn't spoke a word in 400 years. And nobody knew it. But this is, our, this is our thing. This is how we do it. We come on this day and we do this thing. And this is my little widget to turn. The day Moses dedicated the tabernacle, the glory of the Lord filled the place so greatly that he couldn't even go in and minister. Then sadly, God in flesh lays in a manger and they don't even have room for him in a hotel. He came to his own and his own received him not. What happened? Somebody stopped ministering to the Lord. Somebody help me. All they had to do was get so focused on the task Doing my thing. 
the best way I know how. And suddenly the anointing's not there like it used to. And so we hoop it up Jesus just a little bit more to try to appease our flesh. I hope this is received today the way I feel it in my heart. I'm complimenting you and your level of diligence and service. <laughs> but there's so much more. Benefit to ministering to the Lord. I don't mean to point out Brother Jaheen back here. Brother, it's fine if God starts moving on you in the drum pits. I'm telling you, you don't even want to play anymore. You just want to lay in the floor and worship God. It's fine. It's fine if the task goes completely off the rails if it's because God is moving. And the king wants ministered to. It's fine to have a prayer meeting and say, God, I just want to get lost in your presence. It's fine that we don't have to look around during a worship service when all of our attention is completely on Him. We get so lost we don't even know what's going on around us. Would you stand tonight? Could you just begin to feel after the Lord right now? How close to the king are you right now? Do you know what's on his mind right now? He already told us earlier today he loves this church. He loves this church. And I believe this is just a continuation of that. God said, hey, I've got so much more for you that you haven't even tapped into yet. Do you have a little time tonight in your schedule? Do you have some time in your busy schedule tonight to just get on your face before God and say, God, take me wherever it is you want to take me tonight. God, talk to me tonight. I want to talk to you. God, you feel somebody with the Holy Ghost right now. God can renew somebody in the Holy Ghost, somebody that's cold and indifferent tonight. You can touch God. Come on, minister to the Lord. Minister to your God.